This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hey everybody, Brian here, and today I've got a really good episode for you, and quite frankly, it's kind of exciting to share that today's episode is in celebration of five years that we've been doing the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And so, I don't know if you've been listening to us for all five years, or if this is your first episode of the podcast, but in any case, I just want to share with you that I am so grateful that you, the listener, have allowed for this platform to exist. You know, something that's pretty neat is that whether it's at our own Accelerate events or at other industry events or on webinars, I get to hear from business owners how this podcast has transformed their lives and their businesses. You know, I get to hear that someone was ready to close up shop, but then one of our episodes gave them the insight they needed to turn it around or that there was a business owner who finally made the decision to get out of the truck and off the job site and instead put him or herself in the driver's seat of their business. And without you, the listener, none of that would be possible. So thank you. And to say thank you the right way, I've got something special for you today. Our team has combed through some of our most listened to episodes of all time and found some clips for you that are, dare we say, timeless pieces of advice that I know you can use today or really anytime. So first off, I have to start with someone who I think is kind of the ultimate wealthy contractor, my good friend Brian Elias, who previously owned 1-800-Hansons and now owns Reflor. He joined us on our first episode, our 50th episode, our 100th episode. Notice a pattern here. And he'll be back for 150, which is coming up soon. And every time I talk to him, he's literally like overflowing with knowledge and information about our industry and how to reach consumers. And now the clip that you are about to listen to is a four-minute masterclass in how to communicate with customers in your sales and marketing. So take a listen. Talk to the consumer in their voice, the way they want to hear the message. So I mentioned earlier, if you knock on a door, and you walked up to every door, you said, hi, would you like to buy windows? Majority of the answers are going to be no. So you have to often walk before you run. So you say to the consumer, hi, how are you? My name is Brian. I'm with three floors. Reason why we're stopping by is a lot of the neighbors are replacing their floors. And I wanted to know if you've ever had an estimate on getting your floors done. Okay. The answer yes or no doesn't hurt me. So it doesn't matter what they answer. So no, I haven't. Well, that's great. We're coming around talking to the neighbors about getting pricing on flooring. We'd love to show you samples and figure up a price. Is tomorrow or uh, Wednesday better for you? Well, uh, tomorrow works. Is there a time we can set up with both you guys? Because it is flooring and there's so much, so much selection. We want to be able to show you both. Well, in the evenings we're home. That's great. We'll be out tomorrow night at 7. Fair enough? Fair enough. All of a sudden, I have an appointment. And to me, the fundamental is asking people in a way they want to be So 
if you run an ad that says best roofing in the world, okay, call today, nobody's going to call. Right. They want something that's given to them. They want an offer. So you have to have an offer for them. Best roofing prices of the year. Is that what a customer wants to hear? Yes, that's exactly what they want. On the best shingle, all with a lifetime guaranteed, save $500. Mom says, well, gee, I want a good shingle. I want to know that I'm paying the best price, okay? And I want a discount. So if you're saying all the things that the customer want to hear, wants to hear, then you can do business. Now, there's a caveat to that. People do business with who they know, like, and trust. So you have to say, how do you build a relationship with the consumer so they know you, they like you, and they trust you? Well, trust is built over time. So if you're some new guy who's just starting out and you're working out of your pickup truck, that's great. You keep going to the same area over and over again. And by going to the same area over and over again, what you create is an environment that they now know you, like you, and trust you because they've seen your signs, they've seen your work. So you stay within a couple square mile of each other and your sign, Bob's Roofing, keeps popping up. And everyone's like, hey, that Bob's doing all the work in the area. So you look bigger than what you are and you look more trustworthy. And then they know you. And then when you're in the neighborhood and you're talking to that next customer, you say, hey, we did Mary Smith's down the street. You saw the sign. She was happy. And then the customers are happy to pay a little more for that trust. So you have to be thinking of how to build your brand. Your brand doesn't have to be on television. Eventually you want it to be, and that means you did, you really grew your business. But it doesn't have to be that way. It just has to be familiar. Then when you start advertising on Google, Bob's Roofing, all of a sudden they'll say, oh, I've seen Bob's. You advertise on the top, you'll, oh yeah, I saw the sign in my neighborhood. So you stay within that same zip code, okay? You can narrow it down to the city. So you could be working on this at all times. And then you start spreading it and you're starting expanding and expanding, expanding. And then all of a sudden, you got a whole big market that you're at, and they all know who you are. And then Bob, Bob continues to grow. But people are trying to walk before they run. To me, you've got to get good at something, then expand. Next, you're going to hear from Ted Fox. And on his episode of the podcast, he shared his journey from getting out of the truck in his home services business and starting to focus on growing his business. And once he did that, the one area he struggled with was growing his profitability. Now take a listen to how he got his bottom line in order. I had been working really hard on the processes, all the processes that I'd seen companies do to make profit. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm, that I'm good at is discipline. Like I, I can, I can, I can do the same thing day in, day out if it's the right thing to do. So I was doing these things, but I still wasn't seeing profit. Like I was seeing lots of gross, lots of gross. And I called, I called you the one day there. Thank you for that phone call, by the way, where you just asked me, what do you want? 
you know, what, no, Ted, what do you want? Not what do you want for your company? And you were nice enough to give me that, that moment of your time, which, which changed, changed my life there. Thank you. And it was just kind of, I had to change, switch my focus a little bit to like what I really wanted more than anything was to see net profit. Cause I think on that phone call, I'd come out going, well, you know, I want to make this much dollars per year for myself and I want to be able to go on a holiday or whatever it was. But, but when I got off the phone, I thought, no, what I really want is I don't want that stress anymore. I don't want that anymore of getting to the end of the year without seeing a profit because we work hard, we do good work. It's worth something. Right. And so that became the focus. So I started, so we kept all the processes the same, but then I started working on, okay, the, the leadership and the management and really, and we always had a net profit goal, but it very quickly gets lost if you're not looking at it. So right. that you and I had a conversation in August and in September, we started making that profit and October and November and December and January. And it's, and it's continued. We haven't, we haven't had a, a lost month since, since then, not yeah. one. Awesome. In 20, in 2020, we, we got the pandemic up here just like everywhere else, March and, and April, you know, April was, was a crazy month and everything else, but we've, we've, we're on, we're on our budget target. We did 20, 27% growth this year. And, and we're not like, we, I know we can do better, but we're going to be at 12 and a half percent net this year, nice. which is, which is, that's good. That's great for us. Super yeah, happy right there. And next right? year's so, going to be 15. That's right. Well, we just, we just finished next year's budget yesterday. So okay. it's looking good. Now, working on your business rather than in it is important. It's a struggle that pretty much every business owner faces. And when Dave Harrison joined us on the podcast, he gave some good advice on how to start to remove yourself from certain aspects of your business. So take a listen. I've got to manage different parts of the company. I know delegating doesn't mean giving up responsibility. But an example might be, as I've suggested to an owner just a couple weeks ago, I said, look, why don't you spend 20% of your time if it's a big lead, a lead you know has big volume potential. Go on the lead and take responsibility, but bring one of the salespeople with you so you're teaching at the same time. Let's say it's the slower season and you got a salesperson going out on a call. Go on a few calls a week. It doesn't mean going to 100% sales if I'm great at sales. It means going on some of the key ones and doing some of the cold travel and being sort of a player coach, but still do the other things. So it's not a matter of doing it 100% of the time and giving up responsibility for the overall company, but it does mean delegating out the key parts and keeping your focus on what you do best. For that owner, if he spends 20% of the time in the field, He'll be better at staying in touch with what his competitors are doing, what consumers want, how they're coming across, all those different things. And I also recommended to that same owner on big jobs, you be the one to go pick up the check. You'll understand more about the quality of your company, what people are thinking, and how to get referrals if you do some of those. What does that all mean? The stuff you're best at, you're better at having a pulse that's a quality pulse. Keep your pulse on the things you're best at and intuitively you just get. Don't give those things up, totally. 
Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. So 20% of the time, I like that, you know, because to me, it just seems like, you know, if you're a great salesperson or you're a great installer, you could find yourself stuck there because that's where you're most comfortable. So I like your suggestion of, especially when you're smaller, I think as you get bigger, maybe that 80-20 goes down a little bit. Maybe it's 5% of your time and 95% of the time you're managing the business, focused on, on the team, growing the business. Is that no, actually not. It, it, actually not. The key is delegating the major parts of your business and building a team around you. If you're going to manage everything, then why would a good, per, why would a great person want to be on your team? Great people want responsibility. Good people are happy with getting direction and everything to do. If you want to build a great business, you've got to be able to delegate and. And let me use an example of that. My belief is in delegation, if you can find somebody that 5% of the time you look at what they do and you go, oh my God, that's embarrassing. 20% of the time you look at it and say, wow, well, it's okay, but I wouldn't have done it that way. And 75% of the time they did it pretty much like you would do it pretty much. Get a great person there. In other words, if you can find someone that 25% of the time you're not throwing up, delegate. Most owners have trouble doing that. They demand in their minds that they know the best way and everyone should do it that way. You'll never build a great team that way. So how do you start that process of delegation? Because we've we've all heard it. Delegate, delegate, give it away have somebody else do it, but it's not easy. As you know, it's tough. It's not easy and it's not easy to look the other way when occasionally you look at it and you say, yuck. It doesn't mean you educate on how to do it better. It doesn't mean you don't have those conversations, but it doesn't mean to stop delegating because a few times you hate the outcome and sometimes you really wish they did it better because if you get someone who 75% of the time does it the way you basically you would have done it, you got someone pretty good. And you never get that leverage until you can accept that. Now on the podcast, we often talk about mindset. And while it's critical for a business owner, it's just as important for your salespeople too. Check out this clip where John Inglis talks about why step zero 
<laughs> in his 10-step, well, really 11-step selling system is actually mindset. Yes, the mindset of your salespeople. Take a listen. Step zero for my selling process is mindset. And we begin training. Again, that's a, that's a symptom, right? So a lot of owners will train people knowing they're going to get that when it's time to raise the price. But what they have is a, well, when they say that, this is what I'm going to say. The way to really solve that problem is to say, since I know at some point I'm going to have to raise the prices, and since I know that when I do, they're going to say that, what can I do from day one of training to bake the solution to that problem into the process so that when the time comes to raise the prices, they go, okay. Now, the reason I raise my prices twice a year, and this is why it's important to know your numbers. Last year, we closed 39.4% of the presentations we gave as a company. And we're usually about 40 of our presentations given. And for those listening, that's on the first visit, right? Very negligible follow-up. That's the first visit. So what does it mean when six years ago, for example, let's say my price was, I don't remember the number, but let's say it's five grand. We're closing 40%. Then I raise it to 5,500. We're closing 40%. 6,000, 40%. 7,000, 40%. How come every time I raise my price, our closing numbers don't drop? And I'm going to tell you how I look at it. That means I'm leaving value on the table. In a football analogy, if you miss an easy field goal or if you're in basketball, you miss an easy basket. How do they look at that in sports? Oh, he left four points on the court because he missed four easy layups. Well, I can actually calculate where my price is now. And I can go back year after year up until I really figured this out. And I'll bet you I cost myself at least a million dollars in my pocket. Because if I'm getting that today, I could have got it back then. Now, if I keep raising my prices and all of a sudden my closing numbers drop, well, there's two reasons for that. Either my salespeople aren't trained correctly, they're not the right salespeople, or listen, at some point, the price does exceed the value. Or why not sell a shower for a million dollars? Why not get 85000 a window? But because I've been able to raise my prices twice a year since 2013, and my closing numbers are not dropping, I raised my price six months later, the numbers didn't drop, son of a, we left value on the table for the last six months, we're going to raise it again. And my salespeople, no, I mean, you know, I mean, this is just how we do things here. And speaking of mindset. There was no more challenging time in our industry, or in the world really, than in the spring of 2020. And as business owners, man, the stress and uncertainty of that time was just so heavy. And that's when I just started hopping on the phone with some of the wealthy contractors I know and touching base with them on what that time was like and how they were getting through it and what they were thinking about it because I wanted to share it with you. Because at the very least, I wanted you to know that you weren't alone. But at best, you could take something from those conversations and apply it to what could be some very tough days. So you're about to listen to a clip from one of the episodes from that series of the podcast that was called Navigating Through Uncertainty. Listen to Justin Bartley with Nextdoor and Window as he was sharing with our listeners some very specific ways to keep your business going during that time. 
but that could be applied to any time of uncertainty you may face now or in the future. And it is so crazy to listen to an episode from that time with such specific details that really bring all of the challenges from that time back to the front of our minds. I'll tell you what, I don't care to go back there, but I am so grateful that we were able to provide a platform for contractors during that time. So take a listen to what Justin had to say. Our, our customers are always at the foundation of everything. You know, our, exist, our existing customer database and through the seasonality, through the winter time, we always rely on our customers to, to bring more business to us during those times. Certainly during this time is no different. And you know, communicating with your, your customer database through email is critical right now. As if, if anybody's gonna be calling you for help with their projects, it's gonna be your, your customers. Right. So there's no question that emailing your customers with, with you know, your plan for your business, what you're doing right now to you know, take, take the necessary precautionary steps, those things will bring tremendous comfort to your, your customers. And at some point they'll feel comfortable to reach out to you when they're ready to move forward with a project or want to have someone come out to the home, you know, it's going to be your customers that, that react first. And just a, uh, a sample of something that happened today. Uh, you know, I'm a customer of G4. G4 sent out a great email today on, you know, on my behalf, on our company's behalf about proper sanitizing methods in the home. And I actually had a customer call to ask for me to just to thank me on, you know, how much he appreciated the, the email. So those are the those are the things that you know right now, communicating with your your staff, of course, and your customers is probably the most important thing that we can do to really show our leadership through these tough times. And last but not least, we've gotten to feature a few husband and wife teams just within the past year on the podcasts. And one of these couples is Ronnie and Stephanie Suarez with Integrity Roofing and Siding of San Antonio. I'll listen up as they give great advice for working together as husband and wife, or really in any partnership. It's back to the communication. You know, we we talk about what we 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 have the same vision, really. That's that's the thing. I mean, we mm-hmm. we've spent so much time together. That's our advantage. We spent so much time together, just like you guys that. We know each other so well, we know what our vision is, and we share the same vision. And so I think when, when things come up where maybe she creates something on her own that we haven't <laughs> talked about, which, which can happen, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm with it because she has the same vision. We have the same ethics. We have the same integrity. It's it, so because of that, it, it all falls into place uh, for it, us now. Now I won't. I will say it's it's challenging still. I mean, yeah, we have our challenges. We have spirited every conversations day, every day. <laughs> spirited conversations. I mean, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it at all. I mean, there are times where I'm like, I'm going to pause this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a little walk around the house or the office, and I'll be back. And <laughs> but I think it's grounded in that respect for each other. Like you know, I mean, and and it's it's just how we work daily. Like even if you know, even if like you're washing dishes and you know you put something right where I was, it's like okay. Mm-hmm. So first of all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I just think it's also 
knowing also your roles because for example like i wouldn't venture off into something in a sales presentation or like the application of some sort of material so we kind of know each other's you know areas and i think we really value each other's opinion so if for some reason something did get presented to you that was a different thought there may be a reason you know i'm not going right. to just undermine it and just because it's got to be my way and i think that's the other thing too is that you got to know when to give in. Like you have to know when maybe that person needs you more that day than you. Like maybe they are having a bad day, like get over your stuff. They need you. Or, you know, I think it's just, you just got to be in it to win it together. Finally, I just want to say it one more time. Thank you for making the Wealthy Contractor Podcast what it has been for the past five years. You're listening, your feedback, the community of the wealthy contractor has truly changed lives, and I'm honored to be a part of it. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. The seven secrets to becoming a wealthy.